G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO here at Next Gen Agri. I've worked in livestock research, farming and breeding for over 25 years. I've been very fortunate to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of wonderful people throughout that career. I'm reminded every day of just how awesome the livestock industry really is. It really is a great pleasure to bring you the stories and wisdom of the people in the industry via the Head Shepherd Podcast. This podcast is supported by our good friends at Allflex and MSD Animal Health, who are guided by the one mission of the science of healthy and productive animals. With these two companies now combined, they have one of the widest product portfolios in Australasia with a comprehensive lineup from the Cooper's range of animal health products through to the ID and monitoring solutions that, that Allflex are famous for. Their products are all backed up by their exceptional service, and we're thrilled to continue to have their support in bringing you this podcast each week. If I could ask a couple of small favours before we get underway this week, if you could rate this podcast in the app that you're listening to it in, that would be fantastic. Also, if you know someone that you think would enjoy what we do here, please share the show links with them. Finally, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a big fan of livestock farming. We're setting up the Next Gen Agri Hub to be the home of livestock farming conversations. Check it out at thehub.nextgenagri.com. Okay, it's time for this week's guest. Welcome back to another episode of Head Shepherd. Today we uh, we don't have a guest. We're just talking about EID and ewe selection. So talking through that process of of which ewes to keep on farm. Before I get into that, I just wanted to talk about some of the things coming up at Next Gen Agri, particularly the roadshow we're doing through New Zealand uh, towards the end of October, early November. We're going on the road to deliver our designer genes workshop. Uh, it's been really well received across Australia. We've modified that for a New Zealand context. Great opportunity to uh, get in the room and have a chat with us about your breeding program, how you're going about optimising the animals that you're running on your farm, making sure they're the right animals for you, uh, some of the basics around how to integrate breeding bays into that decision and and sort of yeah, how to how to work out which of the traits that are really ones that are important to you and, and then working out how you go about optimising them within your production system. So, yeah, I think that's it's going to be a really well-received workshop. We're running them... Uh, two in the north and three in the south is the plan at this stage. Um, it's probably not too late for you to vote for where we run them. Uh, we're getting close to finalising spots at the moment. It's going to be very much a, a discussion workshop, not us just talking at you the whole time. Opportunity to really talk about your business and and how we how we optimise the genetics that you're running within that business. So yeah, look forward to catching up with lots of people in New Zealand then. In Australia, the Ramsdale season starting to wrap up. A few to go. Uh, been a pretty interesting season with a lot of next generation clients having having record sales. Uh, we're seeing a, a growing demand for data and particularly a growing demand for carcass traits and a lot of health traits. The things that we've talked about, I guess, on carcass traits for over a decade and health traits for a fair while here at Next Generation uh, we're seeing that those traits really get rewarded in the marketplace with with sales having having high clearances and very high prices, largely relating to to the known sort of the fact that we know that they will deliver profit and deliver reducing costs through through those better health traits, through those improved carcass traits across the merino industry. Uh, yeah, so it's a really interesting time out there and um, we're, we're seeing the people that are doing the hard work getting rewarded for that hard work and getting all the data available for their, for their RAM buyers. Today I want to talk about replacement use, depending on your enterprise, somewhere between probably 50% and 10% of your young ewes uh, are sold before they go to the ram. 
uh, sold off either to as breeders or as, as processing stock, depending on, on where you are and what you're doing. The reality is that that decision is often made without a lot of information. We, we are operating in a bit of vacuum of information and having to make that selection largely based on phenotype, looking at the animals and, and working out which ones we uh, which ones we sell and which ones we keep. I guess today is about just discussing how we might improve that a bit, the opportunity to, to make that a better decision, and then I guess some technology shifts we need to to really make that a great decision. But whether you're doing it or someone else is doing it on your farm, every year someone comes in, you go in, and you're pulling out EBUs that, that don't look the part and therefore um, are sold off. Sometimes that's quite obvious. Um, there's some, some sheep that just are obvious cows haven't, haven't quite made it for whatever reason. And then if it's a fine wool sheep, then there's some wool type type stuff that comes into it, and that'll and there's different preferences on that. This year in Australia, particularly, and in New Zealand, has been a really hard year on on wool colour, and so there's been a fair bit of pressure on wool colour and fleece rot, and so a great year to cull out those animals that that get that get affected there. And a reminder that any animal that gets gets fly strike is a, is a cull, so you can get rid of a few that way. But then within, I guess what we have to be careful of is within that, that selection decision is only part of what we see is genetics. So a small animal that's not doing so well, if it was a late-born twin, born last in a drop, uh, its genetics might be as good as any in the drop, but but it's just not going to be any good in terms of its phenotype and what it looks like. So um, we have to be careful that decisions we're making aren't uh, as best as possible are on genetics and, and not on phenotype. What we did see in the Merino Lifetime Productivity Project that AWI ran and had professional classes class those sheep is in those early classings, or particularly in those early classings, we we saw that twins were unfairly dealt to. And when we analysed data sets, uh, separate data sets, we see the same thing, that twin-born animals, are a higher proportion of them are culled based on the phenotype uh, because of what they look like versus singles. And that when we analysed the Marina Tech database a few years ago, we saw that twin-born animals were obviously lighter at weaning, lighter in older ages. Uh, in a Marinos, they're stronger micron, so they're higher micron, those twins. They're also lower fleece weight, shorter staple, uh, lower luster, lower crimp definition, dryable, so less nourished, lower density, and less definition of the staple. So there's a whole heap of things that if you're looking at an animal in a classing box or in a race, and it's a twin, there's a whole lot of things that line up that says that animal's going to get culled versus the single that's sitting sitting next to them. So that's something we really have to be careful of. And, and the only really way that we can be careful of that is to, to identify who's who. So, And that's really where EID comes into the equation. Without EID, it becomes really difficult to keep track of all those things. You can notch animals, obviously, but or have notches in ears or different colours of tags and all that sort of stuff, but that becomes a bit of a a bit of a battle, whereas an EID, you can just record that data against the tag and obviously then you can draft on it and you're all set up. So one thing that we do very much encourage is making sure we're lambing our single and twin-bearing ewes separately and ideally our twins and maidens and singles from maidens also separately out and so that we've got four groups of animals essentially, four groups of ewes, and that is those that were born from uh, as a single from a maiden, as a twin from a maiden, as a single from a mixed age and as a twin from a mixed age. And to protect ourselves against that classing bias, if they all come through as a group, that is we bring the singles through or bring each of those four groups in as a group and then we class them separately. 
we're much less likely to to be harsh on the on that twin when it's only amongst its twin twin peers. And so we can. It's amazing how your brain adjusts when you're in the classing race to just take out the percentage that you're sort of aiming for. And so, yeah, there might be slightly less equality, but you you end up taking out the same amount. So. And that way you only, yeah, so you can cull the same proportion across all groups rather than accidentally um, going against the against the twins. So I reckon I would highly recommend that. But what that means is you've got to be putting those EID tags in at landmarking and recording that information. Pretty simple if you do it then. Really difficult if you don't, if you miss that bit of information. So, yeah, separating out, lambing separately as they're coming in rather than boxing out mobs as they're coming towards tailing. Um, make sure those singles come in. And record the tag sequence that goes in their ears, so you can so their EIDs can be recorded, or set up your system with an auto record, or you might have a land box or whatever that you can do that you can do that automatically. And then if you have gone that far in EID and you are implementing EID, and this is for people outside of Victoria where it's compulsory, and we're going to see that become more and more across industry, I think. So soon enough, we'll have compulsory EID, um, and obviously those listening in Europe have already had that as well. If we've got that tag in there, then a few key measurements are going to help our our selection process on those young ewes. Uh, weaning weight is a pretty critical one if you're in a production land production system. Uh, eight to twelve month condition score. So condition score is highly correlated with muscle and fat, and and in those young ewes that haven't yet lambed, there's a good opportunity to go through those and and condition score them. Record that condition score on on your gear, uh, and then a, a weight at the same time. So you're sort of getting a weight plus condition score at that same 8 to 12-month period. Um, if they're a final sheep, then a fleece weight and a micron are pretty handy in addition to those other measurements. And then some reproductive performance, so a pregnancy scanning result if they get that far off and they're obviously sold before then. But still recording that information on on animals, we know that that first that maiden uh, pregnancy scan result is correlated with their whole of life reproductive performance, so that's something to know or something to record. So that if in down the track you are selling some ewes and you're not sure which ones to go, if it's a dry period or or you've, you're overstocked and you've got to get rid of some, then you you know that which are your most productive ewes. Obviously, one of the biggest gaps in all of this is that we don't know which ewe is delivering which lamb, and therefore we don't we can't say all that ewe delivered heavy twins or. Or she scanned twins, but only brought in one light light twin uh, into the into weaning, and we don't we currently don't know that. Uh, we're working on the technology through GeneSmith to to do that. So we're looking at matching uh, lambs to dams via cameras. I encourage you to go back and look at uh, an episode back with Ian Harris a while back that that we sort of talked about that technology a bit further. But that's really moved in the last few months. Uh, that company's now been split off, and we're working pretty hard at developing a technology using cameras in the paddocks to do a whole range of things, but including matching dam to lamb. We see that technology as providing a massive opportunity in the in the future, so we're really looking forward to bringing that to market. Again, get in touch. Go out to genesmith.ai to see a little bit more, or get in touch with myself to to talk about that tech. It's it's going to have a huge impact on on the industry because it will allow us to match those dams to lamb at commercial scale at a price that's that's much more affordable than. Than the current collars or, or DNA, and that that really will change the game for the industry. So yeah, we're looking forward to doing that, which which will enable us to go much deeper into our ewe flocks and finding with a lot more detail which of those ewes we should be retaining. But for now, we don't have that. Um, so I guess summing all that up, or well, before I do that, 
we should talk about uh, correcting some of the information. So even when we do measure stuff, so when we're measuring weaning weights, condition scores, fleece weights, microns, whatever we're measuring, it's still important to remember that not all of it is genetic so that still we've got some of that's genetic, some of that's environmental. So that twin effect, that age of, of mum effect, which paddock they are in, um, so the condition score, the profile they went through, there's a whole lot of things that impact on on what we measure as well as what we see. And so uh, at NextGen, we've developed a little tool that, that helps correct for that. Uh, we'll, we'll be commercialising that soon so that you can actually put your data in or we can do it for you uh, and correct for for the known fixed effects or the known things that are impacting on on that on that measurement. So for weaning weight, for example, we can account for it being a twin or account for being born a maiden or born out of a out of a mixed age ewe. Or we can even account for the paddock effects if you if we know all that information. So yeah, so I think that's pretty critical because otherwise we are still while we're re- reducing error by measuring some stuff, we're also introducing some other error, but not accounting for some of the known things that are actually impacting on that data. And we see that in people's data sets that we work with in our, in our clients is that a group of animals might look superior, but then we work out that they were the, actually the smallest that were actually fed up a bit more. Um, they were drafted off as a tail and then fed up to to sort of recover and and then looked looked amazing. So we have to be careful about yeah, what are we looking at when we're looking at both the phenotype and the numbers. Are we just looking at feeding and, and environment or are we looking at genetics? So as much as possible, we need to bring all that together so that we've got good data and a, and a sound assessment of that animal, and as much of the noise removed, as much as the of the known fixed effects removed, is is the aim. And I guess none of this is saying that that we are necessarily any better at, at the magic of picking which you than anyone else. If you give us a race full use without any information, we'll do the same as any class, and any of our, any of our team will will go through and try and pick the ones that suit your breeding objective best. But the reality is that that we're better armed when we've got more information. But we'll still We'll still go through and, and do that process, but but we'll, I'm sure we'll do a better job if we've got got the data. Just on that, I guess when we are assessing those ewes, one thing that I always do, regardless of the type, is condition score the ewe first. Um, so even if I'm not recording that, I put my hand on the on its backbone and and assess that condition of a young ewe. Again, it's a good indication of how that ewe is going to travel for the rest of her life. So I like to do that first, so that my mind is not distracted by some nice wool or something else nice about the sheep. So if we've got a good condition score or poor, if I've got a poor condition score, I'm already looking for another reason to cull it rather than than to keep it. And you'll see that a particular type of animal will evolve as you do that. You'll end up with a much more robust sheep if you keep culling out those those leaner ones. Obviously, it's important that that your ram buying decisions are matched with your ewe selection decisions, and we see that a bit where rams will be purchased on a particular set of uh, objectives and then use a culled on something else or or use a cult on stuff that the rams haven't been selected for. Like you'll see people culling ewes for foot rot, but they've never actually selected their rams based on foot rot. Or a ewe will be culled for dags, even though their rams don't have a dag breeding bear when they buy them, so they don't actually know which one's which. So we need to make sure whatever we're doing in the ewes, we're actually backing it up by our ram selection so that we get that real consistent effort moving towards genetic gain. So a whole of things there that hopefully are a few tips that are, that are of use. I guess in terms of if you have got EID in, in animals and you'd put them in there to help select which ewes are the best ones um, to work with, what else can we do with that information? And I think there's a few few other things that, or what can, else can we do with EID, I suppose, is a better question. Because it's not obvious if you're a commercial producer, the value of EID to you is not 
immediately obvious, a back of the envelope calculation to a slight extra increase in in cost of tag versus the benefit you get from that. It's not always immediately obvious, but I think there are a range of ways that it adds value to your business. One is uh, measuring responses to the management of your own sheep. So I can tell you all day long that better sheep or sheep in better condition score have more lambs or have greater lamb survival. But if you see that on your own sheep on your own property, you're much more likely to to make sure you've got you're using better condition score next year. So again, if you've got EID, you can go through and record some use, record some weights and condition scores of use, either pre-join or pre-lamb or pre-scanning. Uh, and and then collate that with that pre-scanning result or that wet-dry result from those ewes and go back through and see that see which ewes actually performed under your management. And that will show you yeah, the value of those different management interventions in your own enterprise. And that's a whole – you can do that with tags and drafting and whatever, but uh, a lot easier with EID where, where you can record lots of different stuff across different time points and it all gets collated into one. And that's certainly something we help people with at Next Gen Agri. And I guess that's the second point is it's, it helps you manage the individual while managing the mob so that you can group animals up. So at pre-scanning, animals can be grouped for a bit and then as soon as you can, you can go through and pull out those twins, um, twin scanned ewes. You can go in there and identify the ones that were the twin last year and pull them out or you can – there's a whole lot of things you can do because you know the individual. You're not having to keep mobs separate. You're not having to keep age groups separately. You can actually throw a heap of things together, animals together, and then know that you can easily run them through the order drafter or even through a with a wand and and a piece of chalk. You can pull out those groups separately at, at any point. You don't have to have some other visual way of knowing who they are. You don't have to worry about whether they've got a dot on their back and whether that gets shorn off at shearing or whether that fades or or whatever. You know that once it's recorded with an EID, you can always find those sheep. One thing we see that. AOD also allows is a bit of flexibility of labour. You can have anyone push sheep through an auto drafter, whereas if you actually had to condition score animals or do a, do some, often you need skilled labour to do some of those roles. Whereas if you've got EID in their ears, you've just got to have someone that you can set the box going and you can go away for three or four hours while unskilled labour pushes pushes that mob of sheep through the draft, and so they don't really need to know anything other than that the animals need to go through that through that gap. And so that that enables, enables a bit of flexibility as it becomes more difficult to get highly skilled labour on farm. And then obviously the 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 last reason is is the whole reason that we've got governments suggesting we have EIDs in ears, and that's because of enhanced traceability and transparency. And that can be obviously at industry wide, industry level, or it can be within farm, knowing that if you scan an animal, you know where where that animal has been and what it's done previously, or what else you've got recorded on that animal. So it doesn't have to be. We're not just talking at a at a national level. There, we can be just talking within a, at a farm level that you've got better knowledge about that animal, uh, more information recorded, and can then make a better decision on the day. So, I think there's some there's some big ones that EID allow. There's often you don't know what your what the benefits going to be when you first start doing it. But often when we work with clients, you'll go back and, and analyse historic data and see that that yeah, the ewes that were this weight or the ewes that scanned as or got pregnant as ewe lamb, this is what they did in their next mating or whatever. Like you can actually go back and analyse parts of your business and break it down, look for, yeah, assess some KPIs that that are that would be very difficult to, to find in your data if you didn't actually have an EID system and weren't recording a lot of stuff. So 
I think there's there's value in it. It's not immediately obvious, and it might not be an immediate payoff. But after a few years, where you start building a, a data set, you can actually uh, you can actually go back and see there's some some significant value in that. Right, we might wrap that that up there. A few tips from from me. Hopefully, that's been useful. Very keen to hear any other things you'd like us to cover. We'll be heading towards Q and A session of season eight and in a not too distant future. So start thinking about the questions you'd like answered here on Head Shepherd. Uh, remember to to share this podcast with anyone around that you think would be interested. Yeah, we love seeing those those downloads start to creep up. Uh, and yeah, thanks, thanks very much for all those loyal listeners out there. It's been great to see quite a few of you as I cruise around Australia in the last few months. Great for those that come up, and and always awesome to hit, have a chat with someone that's listened to the podcast and and thinks it's a valuable part of of their day. But we'll uh, we'll leave it there, and we'll be back next week with another podcast. Cheers! Thanks for listening to the Head Shepherd Podcast. If you enjoy listening in each week, please take a moment to subscribe or even give us a review, that'd be fantastic. And if you do get a moment to share it with your networks, we'd also love that so that we can share these great stories with more people. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Combined now with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios, focused on animal health and management, all backed up by that exceptional service. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and thank them very much for, for again supporting us with bringing this podcast to you.